clock is proclaiming that it's creature o'clock so ring that buzzer it sounds like a lion roar and open the door to join us for the 67th (laughs) meeting of the animal fan club i'm meredith the miscreant marsupial and i'm arthropod amorous mike and we meet every week at our clubhouse we like to call the dalmatian station (laughs) to talk about our favorite animals what we lack in expertise we make up for in unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder wow kinder toten wunder so saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom animalia. Kinder Toten Funder. <laughs> Wait. Remember the Kinder Toten Thugin? <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> Our imagined sort of like post-clockwork orange, cartoffel and veg munching, mallarian. Ma- or pince-nez wearing. <laughs> Thugs. Yeah. Mahler loving thugs. But they're like the child death gang. Oh, man. Referencing the Kinder Toten leader, the Mahler piece. But this isn't a music history podcast. No, no, it's not. This is an, this animal, is an podcast. animal podcast. That's right. Meredith, It's it's been a while. We're going to throw open the barn doors and just say this has been a... a, a a hell of a year. And I think we <laughs> really did a really has. great job of releasing weekly for a very long time. And now we're just on this like whatever schedule. And then, you know, you get the calls from the friends that are like, hey, so I don't have any new episodes to listen to. And it's like, shit, we've been getting away with sneaky weeks off for a little bit too long. I know. Uh, it's it's true. It's true. But life changes are true. occurring and the yeah. dust will settle soon enough and we can probably get back into Yeah. A cadence that's more satisfying for the audience. Yeah, but that there's no promise that that's going to happen in any sort of a linear time frame, you know. Exactly. But we're not here to talk about time frames. We're here to talk about animals. Yeah. Do you want to just get right into it, Meredith? We just... Yeah, just... We've been away too long. We just cannot... We're champing at the bit. Yeah, I got to do my cheer. (laughs) I got to do my cheer. All right. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who? Texana me. Kingdom. Animalia. You know them. You love them. Philo. Arthropoda. My new fave phylum. Class. Malcastraca. Crabs, lobsters, krill, and shrimp. Order. Decapoda. Ten feet are way too many. Family. Actee day. The fam is pretty global. Genus. Neocardina, not old, new. Species. Davidi, the cherry shrimp, a popular shrimp of the aquarium trade. A cherry shrimp? A cherry shrimp. So that's cute. Yeah. Meredith, I've talked about my aquarium journey. I will talk about it more later, but mm-hmm. I want to give you the lowdown on a species that I have not yet talked about which is the cherry shrimp, which is a very common shrimp <laughs> in the aquarium trade. It comes in a variety yes. of different color morphs, so they can be blue and etc. but they're commonly that bright red, and they're about like an inch, an inch and a half, two inches 
in length and they're ubiquitous mm-hmm. in aquariums. You can buy them not to not to put a price on a life, but you can buy them for like <laughs> three bucks a pop at pretty much any aquarium store. Uh-huh. Okay. They're frequently used as like feeder animals. Mm. They're great for keeping a area clean because they eat a lot of biofilm and they graze continuously on the biofilm. That's cool. Yeah. So like on the plants, this little like film material forms on the outside Mm -hmm. and they eat that. Nice. And there you go. Like you don't have to worry about biofilm in your tank if you keep. That's it's like a built in cherry shrimp vacuum mm-hmm. remember on teletubbies they had that vacuum i think its name was like new new <laughs> <laughs> whoa um i don't but there's been some uh there's been some really funny stuff going around in um in gay memes because one of the drag queens on this year's season of rupaul's drag race was La La Ri, and so La La was a Teletubby, so there's been a lot of yes. like play on that. So I am thinking about Teletubbies, <laughs> just not about Nunu, the vacuum. Not about Nunu, no, <laughs> no. I do you remember that crazy baby in the sun? Yes, that baby was real cute. Yeah, I just have to say, like, <laughs> it's not that drugs are bad, but like. How do you get to that point without like a lot? Like, how do you get to the point of like, well, no, and then we'll put the baby's face in the sun. Like, <laughs> also, who is like green lighting these things along the way? Like, this had to go through a lot of hands before it gets on PBS Kids. It's true. It's true. Yeah. What was the first elevator pitch? Right. Like, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you. One of them's got a purse. It's like four <laughs> Barneys, but they're not dinosaurs. They're humanoids, and they don't really speak English. And then the sun is right. a baby's face, and it just kind of goo-goos, gagas. And then they kind of, <laughs> like, go through this, like, universe of right green screens, mostly. Right, exactly. It's like, yeah, great. And I think there was, like like, live footage of, like, kids with their families and things too interspersed sure like kind of b-roll sort of like I think some dude went to the park yeah and like exactly. shot it and then somebody else followed them around with a bunch of releases <laughs> and was like thank you yeah this is going to be on pbs <laughs> jerome is going to the park with his family it's a lot of that but anyway cherry shrimp this is not a, a teletubby podcast so these cherry shrimp they're they're fun they're wacky they're wild (laughs) zany okay so it's a freshwater shrimp right it's from right taiwan oh originally okay so this is like a freshwater not a saltwater which is noteworthy because taiwan is an island in the middle of the ocean the different grading and like quality is mostly based on the color more they generally like water that's between 57 and 84 degrees fahrenheit and they thrive the most at 72 72 degrees fahrenheit they are omnivorous they may live for one to two years a little bit of tax facts they had previously been classified as different species, but they're now known as the Neocaridinia. Neo, Neocaridina. 
Davidi, which is based on the oldest known published description of the species. So again, we come back to the taxonomy is just all about who wrote it down first within the canon of right. that system of taxonomy, which may be right. not the first, but is certainly the most prevalent in the last few hundred years and probably more complete than previous versions, if we're honest. As tricky as this sure. classification system is, I think it it clearly has some really great uses. I think it's just like everything else. I was explaining to a, a fellow musician of an older generation. He was talking about <laughs> these young jazz players today and how incredibly accurate they are and just like like the precision and like the rhythmic and, and harmonic precision and everything. And I pointed out that, you know, raised on bubble sheets and raised on this concept of like it is digital and there is right or wrong, you know. I think uh, I, I don't know that the originator of, well, I can't speak for Carl Linnaeus, I guess. I don't know about the intentions of <laughs> Carl Linnaeus. Guy. Fuck that guy. I don't trust him. Um, <laughs> whew. Look, they love Java Moss. Okay. They. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when they reproduce, the female has to first be fertilized by the male and then she passes the eggs through her reproductive tracts, which is where they are fertilized. Okay. And then she holds the eggs like underneath her skirt sort of thing. <laughs> and that is, you can say that that shrimp is buried or like a buried shrimp, like with berries. Oh. <laughs> because it looks like it has berries underneath its skirt. Ew. It's kind of icky. And, and a thing that's, it's a little icky. And a thing that's interesting is that if you see it with the eggs, you can make the inference that it the female was first fertilized. Like she she'll she'll release a pheromone and be like, "Hey guys, I'm ready." I'm fertile. And then the guys will like swim over and they'll be like, "Ooh, pow." And then she's like <laughs> fierce and then she, she secretes her eggs through mm -hmm. her, you know, oviducts if you will and that's where they're fertilized and then she holds them underneath her skirt and they look like berries yes and they start out a light color and then they get darker as like the shrimp's eyes develop you know okay yeah yeah also apparently the term shrimp's eyes is uh used to describe the level of boiling water like the little bubbles that form at the bottom of a pan when you're boiling water who knows hmm. um 20 to 30 eggs, two to three weeks to hatch. The eggs hatch into miniature young. There's no like larval stage. The young just look like miniature versions of the adults. Hmm. They will spend the first, first couple days, they will spend the first couple days like hiding, you know, and not really venturing out. Mm -hmm. And then they'll venture out and they'll start eating like biofilm and stuff. Nice. Yeah. They are mostly peaceful. They can live in a colony setting. You can put the different color morphs together in a colony setting. And just to recap, color morphs, we have red, which is the most common one. And then there's yellow, mm -hmm. blue, green, violet, chocolate, and black. <laughs> with white. Ooh. And then there's also so-called ghost shrimps that don't have any pigment, so they appear translucent. Whoa, so you can see their innards. You can see right through them. It's just like um, it's just like the scene in Ghost. Yeah, that movie. 
Have you seen that movie? That seems like one that, oh my God. I have not. <laughs> it's so up your alley. What? Why? Because you have an appreciation for late 80s and early 90s. Um, sure. I don't know. Dare I say camp? It's like an unintentional camp, like a faux camp, I guess. Yes, definitely. Like a like a demi tongue in cheek moment. <laughs> Wait, what was the word? Camp. Demi camp. Demi camp. Mm. <laughs> Third position camp. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. So they like to hide. You know, they just hide and they like hide in plants. They like plants. They're really relaxed. Mostly you can keep them with most other things. The risk is that cool. If something is big enough, it will eat these shrimp and like, yeah, you know, it's a little bit of the circle of life in the aquarium trade. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, of course. I'm sure. Do you have any questions about the cherry shrimp? No. Do you own these now or is this just something that you've come across in your or did I just ruin the next segment? No, no, you didn't ruin anything. So I'm just trying to remember what I've told you about my aquarium journey. And I think I told you that I got the bugs to like keep everything clean, like the springtails and the isopods. Yes. And then I think I told you about my... Love an isopod. I think I told... I The isopods are really fun to watch. And then I told you that I was interested in getting crabs. Right. For the for the first time on right. purpose. <laughs> and today's an exciting day, Meredith. And the crabs are allegedly to arrive tomorrow. Oh. Yes. And uh, as well as two snails, <gasps> two ram's horn snails who are going to live in the water portion of the paludarium with the red cherry shrimp <sighs> that were honestly a little bit of an impulse purchase. And only one shrimp is confirmed still alive. But I don't want to ruin the next segment because okay. I want to tell you all about my pets that I wish you had also met. Yes. I can't wait. Pets I wish you had also met. 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 Well, this is a very special edition of Pets I Wish You Had Also Met, where we talk about current pets and plants. <laughs> yes. Because, Meredith, you have had a number of houseplants for a long time. They've had oh, yes. names. They have oh, watering yeah. schedules. Oh, yes. I'm not that great with watering schedules, I will say. It really... <sighs> I usually notice them drooping before I water them. I'm not very good at the preemptive water, which can't really be easy on their little systems. But sure. I do have a lot of plants, a lot of my plants I've had for like way over five years. So, I mean, I guess I'm doing something right. But right. yeah, that's like the extent of it now. I mean, I have like a cool, um, it's a plant that wanders. It has a derogatory name that I'm not going to repeat here, but it has wandering in it. And then it's followed by a noun. I'm not going to say it. But yeah, I've got that plant. That's named Judy. Um, <laughs> you could just call her a wandering Judy. Oh, yeah. I didn't even her put name that is together. Wandering Judy. <laughs> I can't believe I ever put it together. No, her After name is such actually hand wringing. That was really funny. 
That was a really well set up joke, Meredith. I didn't even try. <laughs> Full I'm dead. I'm a natural. <laughs> no, actually, Judy's Judy is a cutting from another plant named Liza. So I know oh. it's in reverse, but yeah, like, that's okay. Well, it's like so they it's, say it's, the. <laughs> It's like Florida, like the Florida Alabama line, like the further south you get, the more like the north it gets. It's the same with plants and mm-hmm. familial names, I guess. Sure, sure, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> I have long admired your plant journey, I guess. Oh, I, well, you. do you have any other? I don't didn't mean to cut you off. I feel like oh, I no, no, it. no. I mean, I have a bunch. Um, no need to go into all of them here, though. Well, I've met many of them. Because right? I think, Mike, you're sitting. Oh, my gosh. I'm yes. just ready to explode, Meredith. I know. And I don't want to take any more time away from you um, because all right. you're the one with the news today. Well, it's just there's a lot going on here in the farm, as it's called. We have Mm -hmm. some I bought those like mushroom grow kits off the Internet. So I'm growing oyster mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms. Yeah, I'm completely obsessed. I'm very interested in it. I want to like cultivate from what I purchased and you can do that. And so I'm like trying to. Continue. I'm trying to like start the process over it again, and it's been really fun learning about that and trying things and failing. Um, and I'm excited to share my successes because <laughs> you know that's the whole thing. It's like it's getting better at something. It's really uh, it's good to do those types of things. And then I've also gotten some plants, so I have these herb garden. I have a little herb garden going that my boyfriend Brandon really spearheaded. And then there's a few spearmint headed shower ferns. We've got a couple of shower ferns and then uh, some ivy in various places throughout the apartment to just kind of vine out and grow around and just be viney. Cool. Pretty pumped about all of that. But the real news is the 10 gallon aquarium where I've made a paludarium, which is a type of enclosure that is land and water. So if you think where you would keep an amphibian, say, or a semi-aquatic invertebrate or aquatic invertebrates and land creatures, you know, and so... I got it with the intention of stocking it with these vampire crabs, which I believe I talked about. Um, I think I presented them as an animal. Yes, you sure did. And so I've already talked about the paludarium, but I mean, it's it's the only thing I can talk about. I'm very excited by it. And uh, I, I have them coming, I believe, tomorrow via the mail, which is a strange thing to say, as well as with two... Uh, snails and I'm going to introduce them to aquatic snails. I'm going to introduce them into the tank where there is already ample plant and moss life, too much plant and moss life. And um, a little bit, I threw in a little bit of grain spawn from the fungus journey. And I think that that was really foolish, but I'm just kind of letting it all happen and just being like, whatever, like I'll resolve it as it comes up to it. But I'm like, combining things combining disparate hobbies into one hobby is dangerous (laughs) and uh i have i also bought shrimp as discussed previously Mm -hmm. i purchased six shrimp for 18 dollars, which feels like a deal yeah 
And I can only confirm that one is alive, mm. but I closely inspected that individual today and it's a female with berries. Yeah. <gasps> uh, oh. Right? But tomorrow is when the snails who are going to be living exclusively in the water and the crabs who are opportunistic herbivores. So they Mm -hmm. are likely to prey on things smaller than them. So there might be like shrimp supper for these crabs. But I think the crabs might also eat the isopods, which are insects that are living in my tank and like cleaning things up and everything. But Meredith, I just have to tell you that I think that you would really like keeping I do like them. cute little isopods and like a little terrarium like this. And the shrimp seem to be pretty easy and pretty low maintenance if you can get everything right. But I'm a little bit taken by this. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Because also with our mm-hmm. our journey that we've been on together, you know, sometimes you read something and it's hard to like visualize it. Yeah. And kind of seeing how it moves all its little arms and legs and stuff. All abs, is like baby. Really pretty cool. <laughs> all It's all abs. Yeah. Like seeing it up close and personal and just kind of like watching it is really fun. And so I've been sharing some content on social media, and um, I guess I'll do that on the mm-hmm. show page, too. I just have to figure out how to, like, combine all my Instagrams into one. Yeah. And uh, it's been a really fun journey, and I'm very excited to see what's up with these crabs tomorrow, like, and these snails, and what they what they bring to the tank. And I'm a little nervous <laughs> that I brought these shrimp in there, and they're just going to kind of become crab food. Um, and I'm a little worried about that with the isopods too, but I feel like hopefully there's enough of them and I can hopefully keep the crabs well fed enough that they don't start turning to their fellow tank mates for food. <laughs> oh no. So we'll see how all that well, works out. You have to keep us updated. I will. I will. Yeah. Look for extensive crab content and shrimp cam will continue hashtag shrimp cam shrimp cam on uh, my personal page it's really fun meredith i have to say and i've been thinking about like well you know of course i'm building the next idea in my head yeah i also have a i have a moss garden that is it's probably not in its final form yet but it's uh it's happening you know it's uh we're we're trying to figure out moss too. It's kind of hard because it's so dry here right now. Right. This time, yeah. Like, until it's not. Until it's fucking humid as fuck for like six months, <laughs> then and then it's super fucking. Then humid. your walls will start crying. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Um. What an exciting thing, Mike. That's so fun. I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for you to meet my pets and plants. Have you named and, anything um, yet? Most importantly, no, no. <laughs> okay, I may not. I don't know. Um, it's hard because like what I'm the most taken by so far are the isopods, but mm-hmm. I can't quite tell them apart as individuals. There's like just enough of them where that's not really like reasonable. There was one time though when I sat down next to the tank, and then all of a sudden, like all the isopods just came up to the top, and I was like, whoa. And then they were like very active, you know, so they were like singing in chorus. They were like singing your name in like tight harmonies. Right, right. Well, I dropped in a little piece of beef jerky and they seemed to like that. So 
that's cool too it's mm. like i'm just kind of like occasionally dropping in food that i made seeing what they like and what they don't like i don't think they like a lot of spice <laughs> i'm developing a loose theory about spice as a um as pest control yeah yeah right on so this is great yeah we are all here no turmeric for the isopods thanks i'm glad to hear that (laughs) it's really fun and it's it's kind of fun to like uh it's fun to just sit next to the thing and just look at it and just like see what everybody's doing yeah and then kind of like you know just check in and like get in there and like clean up some dead stuff that's what everybody else is doing you know yeah (laughs) do your part is just kind of like eating dead stuff you know so yeah uh, I, and yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see how the vibe changes. I'm a little nervous about the shrimp. I think that the shrimp are not in a very large environment and I think that's probably stressful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and, uh, so I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about that, but now I'm like shrimp curious about keeping more shrimp in a larger enclosure and having like a variety of color morphs and just have them kind of living with, you know, a bunch of different plants that they can just eat all the time. So it's kind of cool to be like, I don't know. It's cool to be thinking in these terms, although it's also sure a little terrifying to be like, do I really want to keep a giant tank of water like in my close proximity? Yeah. But I think the answer that. to that question is yes. Yeah. <laughs> For now, yes. Yeah. And, you know, like... Maybe one day I will have learned enough to keep a Nadarian as well. You know what I mean? Like I'm only a, a few steps away from from that. I feel like I'm understanding invertebrates better. That's so cool. I think we could all stand to do that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, cool. Um, great. Pets, I wish you had also met. Go Mets. So met. Also met. Go Reds. Pets I wish you had also met. 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 Pets I wish you had met. Also met. Yes. Pets. Dolly, whatever is the matter? Oh, nothing, Betty. It's just that. It's just that. Is this about your wool? Yes, but how did you know? Well, Dolly, I didn't want to say anything, but the other lady sheep, you know how nasty they can be. They've been gossiping about, well, uh, been looking a little unkempt lately. Unkempt? Unkempt? I'll show them what it means to look unkempt. I didn't see them giving birth to a new lamb last month or their favorite shearer decide to go to graduate school. What is classics anyways? I mean, who would even choose to... Dolly! Now, now, it's no use going into histrionics. All you need to do is make an appointment at Made You Look, a salon for sleek sheep. Is you spelled E-W-E? If not, then I'm not interested. Well, Dolly, consider that interest peaked because Made You Look, that's you spelled E-W-E, and look, spelled L-E-W-K, is the first full-service salon geared specifically to the unique needs of ovines like us. So you're saying that they specialize in wool stylings? Do they ever? Whether you are looking for tiny ringlets, beachy waves, or even a bazillion blowout, 
made you look will help you embrace your inner sleek sheep. This sounds like the very thing I need and deserve. Any chance they offer hoof cures? Well duh, Dolly. Acrylics, gel, French, whatever you want. They've got you covered. Well, I'll be darned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make my appointment right now. Be sure to tell them Betty sent you for 20% off your first cut and color. Thanks, Betty. You sure turned this day right around. Texana, you. Texana, we. Texana, who. Texana, me. Kingdom. And Amelia. It's why we have a podcast. Phylum. Cordata. Pines are so fine. Class. Mammalia. What the hell is grizzled fur? Order. Carnivora. Your flesh looks delicious. Family. Her pesty day. It's not a goose and it's not a weasel. Genus. Herpestes. That means mongoose. Species. Herpestes edwarsi. It's that sexy little ricky ticky tavy. It's the Indian gray mongoose. Yes. Yes. Mongoose, I've been biking more lately and I've been riding a city bike, but I remember as a child there was a bike brand, Mongoose, that I was very popular. Also remember Mongoose bikes. That's true. Wow. Wow. A little bike synergy here. A little bike animal synergy. Well, <laughs> love that. What's a my bike was a Nashiki. Is that an animal? I think so. <laughs> Let's just go with it. <laughs> An anashiki? I mean, the daishiki is the article of clothing. No, the bike is nashiki. It's like the bike brand. It's what I had as a kid. Uh, but I don't think that's an animal. Okay. It's not as cool as mongoose. No, it's not as cool as mongoose. Nashiki sounds. It sounds like a. That sounds like a Japanese brand. It sounds like kind of. It is. It was a Japanese mm. bike. I wonder if it translates into a name that's animal related. If. Any Japanese speaking listeners, just, you know, send us an email, animalfanclubpod at gmail.com and let us know if Nashiki is an animal based bike name. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. Okay. <laughs> so I actually did not get this uh, inspiration from the bike. I got it from my new obsession. You've moved on in your life to aquariums. I've moved on to professional wrestling. Uh and yes <laughs> so last week on monday night raw there's this character whose name is riddle his full name is matt riddle and he's like his thing is that he's the american bro the original american bro so he's like long hair and he's like bro and he like rides around on a scooter anyway he's like kind of he plays this like annoying type and he kept calling himself He's like, I'm just like a sexy little mongoose out there, like a sexy, like sexy Ricky Ticky Tabby. And I was like, what? <laughs> Very random, but Whoa. I appreciated Whoa. the reminder of Ricky Ticky Tabby because it was like to go on another tangent. I remember in elementary school, they would like pull us out of class like once a year and make like treat it like it was this like awesome reward. I think it was like before winter break or something. We'd always watch. The animated Ricky Ticky Tavi, which is a story of a vivacious Indian gray mongoose who stands up to all kinds of adversity, including like cobras and stuff. Right, right. And I just, we watched this every year and I was like, this is boring. It was always the hardest thing for me to not just fall right to sleep watching it. 
in a dark classroom on the floor. Anyhow, this isn't an elementary school. Just, yeah, this is a. I, I think that this is a sort of, at this point, it's a sort of meta podcast because ultimately all of these things are habits of animals, us being in the kingdom animalia. So, right. you know, that's my argument for our digressions being still, still on topic. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Okay. So anyway, here we are talking about the Indian gray mongoose. So tax facts. So I'm going to kind of go through tax facts, but then just go into like relevant areas about the mongoose as I go. So it's a little bit of a different format. It's going to jump around a lot, but we're going with it because who cares? I imagine the mongoose to be a very agile creature that can change and pivot. Yes. You'll hear more about that momentarily, Mike. Actually, that's oh. a great that's a great thing to bookmark for later. Or putting the cobra before the mongoose or something. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, um, as far as tax facts, we know kingdom animalia, we know phylum chordata, class mammalia. So I said, what the hell is grizzled fur? Because in the Wikipedia article about the Indian gray mongoose, it kept talking about its grizzled fur being like stiffer and coarser than that of other mongooses. And yes, that is the correct plural. It's not mongoose. It's mongooses. It's not mongoose. Okay. Um, Mongooses. Got it. And I'm just like <laughs> grizzled. I don't normally think of grizzled as being like stiff and coarse necessarily. And it also says like individual hairs being ringed by creamy white and black. So I was mistaken. They're not talking about like some old dude at the dive bar at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday grizzled. No. They're talking like a specific coloring, I think, which I was never aware of. Yeah. Yeah. In some neighborhoods, it's like 10 a.m. You know, it depends. Right. That's one of the things I like about New York is that people work all shifts. So there are people drinking at the bar at 10 a.m. who Mm -hmm. just got off work and there are people drinking at 10 a.m. who have not yet been to work. And all of them grizzled. Not necessarily. But that is how I like them. But none of them mongooses. Anyway, so more things about their appearance. Um, So their tail length actually equals their body length. So they're half body, half tail, essentially. So the body length can be up to like 17 inches. Tail length, obviously, another 17 inches. They weigh about two to four pounds. And this is cool. So Indian gray mongooses are unusual in that they can discriminate four colors. So more than most other mammals, which I often forget about because I often forget that like cats can't see in color the same way that I do. And I forget that mammals don't have like a full spectrum color vision always necessarily. But these guys have four colors. I Okay. Can you explain that again? Sure. They can see four colors? Yeah. They can discriminate four colors versus I think most other mammals it's probably like two or three. I'd say three. Interesting. Yeah. We can distinguish far more than that, right? Yes, I believe so. Like at least 256, (laughs) right? How many crayons were in the Crayola big box? 88. (laughs) No, that's the number of keys on a piano. I think it was 64. No, but there was like the extra big box. Oh, that it was had like the, the one with pen. the bonus one? Yeah, and it had a built-in sharpener on it. That was like the one I always wanted. And could never yeah. 
Interesting. Anyway. This isn't a cram podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so next up, order carnivora. Your flesh looks delicious. So remember, carnivora are mammals that eat flesh. So you got your cats, your dogs, your weasels, your tigers, your lions, your your bears, your otters, your mustelids, all those things that eat other animal flesh. Okay. Mm. So that brings us to diet. What's going on with the diet of the Indian gray mongoose? So we know they're carnivora, but they are omnivorous, much in the way that like us humans are omnivorous. Um, But they are known for eating all kinds of stuff. So, like, live prey, they go for, like, mice, rats, lizards, snakes, beetles. They go after ground birds. They go after eggs, grasshoppers, scorpions, centipedes, frogs, crabs, fish, and plants, fruits, and berries, and even gharial eggs, Mike. Do you remember the gharial? The gharial, yeah, which is the, it's like an alligator with a very thin snout it's a crocodilian i should say yes and it has a very thin snout and then the gharial is the bulbous thing that grows on its nose for males that they use as a sort of signaling device i forget what kind of sound it makes yeah and it's probably snorty (laughs) i would bet it's just like (laughs) 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 but it's call it gets its name from a clay vessel, I believe like a cooking vessel or like a, yeah. a, a vessel for liquids, like a some sort of pot or jar that is uh, it, it, that's used by local people. Right. That's the Garyo. Don't boop the snoot. <laughs> Don't boop the snoot. So, yeah, mongoose mongooses actually will eat garial eggs. Okay. So now we get to kind of their dealings with venomous snakes, um, which was, I believe, a big part of Ricky Ticky Tabby. The oh, and I should mention that Ricky Ticky Tabby, I keep saying this, but it's gone through like many interpretations, but it originates in uh The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. Okay, Pierce. here's that. That's out of the way. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was a big part of Ricky Ticky Tabby. It was him coming into contact with this King Cobra character. This is where it gets crazy. So they have a few defenses against venomous snakes, these mongooses. So first they will tire out the snake. So encouraging them to encouraging the snakes to strike and then acrobatically avoiding the snake. So just like you said, Mike, like their ability to like pivot really fast and twist and turn and be very agile, much in the same way that the wrestler Matt Riddle is very agile and acrobatic. I had to say he was not off in his reference. He was not. I command him for throwing in a little Kipling. There's not enough fantastic literature happening in WWE these days, I will say. Well, I was going to say, does did his opponent in this instance have any sort of snake energy? Was there an undercurrent? No, but what's funny is the guy he ended up joining into a tag team with Randy Orton, his whole thing is like a viper, but they were a tag team, but they were like a reluctant tag team. Uh, well, as I imagine a mongoose and a so. cobra may be to fight a common enemy. Yeah. And that common enemy. Perhaps a camel. <laughs> camel. 
they don't live in camel land. Well, actually, maybe some of them do. I take papyrus. I take them. I take that back. They definitely live in camel land. What am I talking about? But we'll get to where they live momentarily. It's called camellia. Forgive me. It's okay. How insensitive. No, don't worry about it. Okay. So here's the other thing is that I talked about that that kind of coarse hair that they have. So even if the snake does bite them, um, they have to get through that coarse pillage. (laughs) They have to get through that coarse fur. But then even if they do break the skin, the skin has what are called acetylcholine receptors. Acetylcholine. Um, and this makes them immune to snake venom. Oh. So these motherfuckers are just full on like resistant to snake venom. It's crazy. Must be nice. Yeah, right? Um, and then like, so say the mongoose does get, get it, catch itself like a nice egg. Apparently it sits and it like holds it in its paws and then it bites off a little oh. chunk on the top. It like just opens up a tiny hole on the top. Oh. But what? Oh. It didn't go on to say is like, do they then like suck yeah. the yolk out of the hole? Mm. Do they like pass it around and everyone like gets a swig? I mean, what's what's next? Wikipedia. <laughs> Salivate. Well, I guess, yeah. I, maybe they poke another hole in the other side and then they like blow the yolk out and then keep the eggshell as a decorative piece or display it at a nature center perhaps as humans do with ostrich eggs say right see that's probably what's happening Mm, it's my first guess yeah thank you for filling in that gap um okay don't mention it (laughs) but what's crazy is that my usual move but happy to oblige So this um, kind of ant or snake resistant trait that they have, this goes across the whole family of the mongooses. And just to remind us, that family is the Herpestidae. Um, it's not a goose and it's not a weasel, though it does seem like the mongooses in many ways uh, resemble mustelids, aka like weasels. Um, so all the mongooses in the family of Herpestidae, they also have a large anal scent gland woo, used to mark territory and signal reproductive status. Um, and they also like goats. Ooh. So just like our friends, the, excuse me, goats, they have narrow ovular pupils. So kind of like those rectangular pupils that are kind of creepy on goats, but goats still rule. So whatever. Um, okay. So and there's not much to say about the genus of Herpestes other than the fact that it is comprised of 11 species, including our Herpestes Edwardsi, a.k.a. Ricky Tiki Tavi, a.k.a. the Indian Gray Mongoose. So where do they live, you ask? Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bahrain, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh. So yeah, definitely Camellia in there. <laughs> Forgive me. Yeah, there's elements of Camellia. Elements of Camellia, but I would say that's more like subcontinent, you know? Well, I mean, like all the Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bahrain, right, Iran. Right, right, right. But they got some camp Camellia happening. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of Camellia. But uh, so, well, you might even say like sort of like... uh 
Persian Indian Ocean yes area mm-hmm. like that sort of like uh, Indian Ocean West <laughs> yes the Fertile Crescent and its allies yeah ooh <laughs> oh. oh fertile a fertile crescent check out my berries ew <laughs> <laughs> You brought it up. That's okay. <laughs> She's thick with Barry. <laughs> I just had a very vivid memory. Out of me being thick with Barry? Yes. You just being Barry-tastic. Anyhow, <laughs> this isn't a fecundity podcast. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Poor timing. Okay. okay. No, it was very, it was perfect timing. It's always good timing for fecundity right okay so they prefer um in this land this this great land in which they live um they prefer open kind of grasslands rocky patches scrubs semi-desert cultivated fields um yeah forests kind of all over the place really doesn't seem like they're very uh, picky uh but they also pretty clearly thrive around human settlements, just living off their waste, living off human waste and all that stuff. Um, And actually they're often taken as pets, which I could kind of see. seems like they're um, probably pretty easily plied with food and stuff like other uh, carnivora that we know and love. Mm. They are protected in India, but there is an illegal trade that actually uses that coarse hair that they have for like shaving brushes or paintbrushes. So make sure you painters and shavers that you are using mongoose-free products. And then, um, this is cool. So they're actually revered in many ancient cultures. Like, for instance, in Egypt, in Babylonia, the Fertile Crescent, Yes, if you yes. will. I, um, I guess if I have to. <laughs> um, but they are revered in these cultures because of their ability to withstand snake attacks which obviously for people living in that part of the world you could imagine that you know desert areas rife with snakes yeah i so snake attacks were probably a big big massive threat yeah to people so to be a creature that had this like magical ability to not be harmed by it that's got to be pretty cool yeah well geez I, I don't even know how to respond to any of this, I guess. <laughs> Good on you, Mongoose. I'm curious about this uh, resistance to snake venom. I think that mm-hmm. we continue to have so much to learn from the species on this planet that are non-human. Right. Which it turns out are the majority of species on this planet. Right. And the majority of biomass, dare I say. Say it. <laughs> I mean, wow, uh, the mongoose. I I guess I didn't know the exact region. I always associated the mongoose specifically with cobra, specifically like king cobra. Mm-hmm. And I guess always had this sort of like Egypt association. Sure. So I guess I'm a little surprised to hear how far east it stretches from there. Although I guess climate and geographically it makes sense. And I had a bit of a revelation about... Mm-hmm. About the Indian Ocean as you were talking and kind of it reconfiguring in my head geography and I like know where it is now, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean I thought that was Mongoose Tastic. Thank 
Can yeah. you take me through the taxonomy again? It was carnivora, and then what was after that? Herpesti day. Herpesti day. Herpesti day is like, uh, hmm. And what was the tagline for Herpesti day? It's not a goose, and it's not a weasel. <laughs> so that's where it becomes mongoose. Gooses, excuse me, mongooses. Yeah, Herpesti days are like the mongooses. Yeah, the mongooses. Herpesti days. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Her pesty day, maybe because they're lizard like. They look like lizards. I don't know. Maybe. I think I'm not sure where her, her pesties came from. Well, it's a further line of inquiry. Dun, da, 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 da. <laughs> the Herald inquiry trumpets are sounding. <laughs> that also means it's time for a break. <laughs> I have nothing to wear to the Isopod Country Club. I have nothing appropriate for the Tick Tennis Tournament. It's tough being an arthropod. Why are they socks so boring? Us shrimp have so many legs. And shrimp sweater vests are really boring for us vibrant creatures. Finding the perfect semi-formal outfit can be exhausting. All the other Malacostraca make fun of me. They frequently ask me to leave formal events. Well, worry not, friends, because Brand Clubby has an exclusive new line that's made just for you. Not a hyper-targeted Brand Clubby product to address a very specific need? Sounds amazing! Tell us more! Arthropod Argyle, the new clothing line for posh arthropods. Argyle? For arthropods? I never would have thought of that. Well, fortunately, Brand Clubby did. Arthropod Argyle is a new fashion system designed to make you blend in with others while at work or social functions. Amazing! Argyle-tastic. Argyle-rific, actually which is also the code to save 15% at checkout. I'm already logging in through their web portal to buy some. And I'm using the app. However you choose to shop, always choose quality, always choose clubby. Are those rye berries? Yes. We've made it. We're feasting in the feed bag. Feed bag. Okay. Matt from Pensacola wants to know, if you were developing a pro wrestling persona for yourself, but it had to be in some way animal related, what animal would you choose? I'll go ahead and start this off. Sure. By saying I've already answered this question for myself. I've already beat you to the punch, Matt. My animal would be a wild boar. <laughs> Whoa. And my signature move would be the hoof stomp. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a regular stampede out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great question. I know you're expecting me to say wolf, Meredith, but I'm not going to. Okay. Changing it up. I like it. I, I'm also going to say that my persona is not in the ring. My persona is sort of like a business persona, you know, like a sort of managerial persona. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and, and it would be inspired by the Desmond. <laughs> 
and I would have these glasses that would be like little like round glasses and I'd like hold them at the end of my nose and like look over at them and like this and always be like, ah, you know, like that would be You're like, like yeah, they have <laughs> characters that are, they act as like the general counsel <laughs> to the wrestler. Yeah, exactly. And they're like always out of outside of the ring. It's so silly. They're like, well, I just spoke to my legal advisor. <laughs> the Desmond. The Desmond. I'm like, ugh. His name is Desmond. Yeah. So, a fish position. I love it. Wild boar. And a Desmond. Desmond, the league, the general counsel. Yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Wow, a lot of listenership in Pensacola. Steve from oh. Pensacola is asking, why don't bugs seem to like me? I mean, that's, some would say that's probably not a bad thing, Steve, unless you're into bugs, in which case, I mean, you're like big and you probably smell funny to them and they, you use a big hulking threat because they're so tiny. So maybe their instinct is not personal. It's just you're a human, and so you're bigger. And that's scary to a bug. Yeah, Steve. I don't know. I mean, I'm going through this thing right now where I feel like bugs do like me. Um, but I don't like all bugs, you know. I think, I think, um, I think, Steve. One of the things that you're really driving at is something that I've I've noticed in some of my peers, uh, and it's a certain amount of like self defeat. Like, it's not that bugs don't like you. It's that your expectations for how people are to behave upon, or in this instance, bugs to behave upon first interaction may be unreasonable. Right, Steve? Like, I think that you're putting a little bit too much weight on to like a first interaction mm. and then maybe misreading what could be nervousness or ambivalence or just distraction or just perhaps social anxiety as a dislike of you. And so I don't know, Steve, I think I think maybe bugs do like you or maybe you just need to not put so much uh, I guess emphasis on this when you're interacting with bugs I think if you go into an interaction with a bug and you're expecting it to not like you then you're going to find that it doesn't like you you know I think uh, I think you know open hearts uh, open minds yep. Steve I say just relax let it happen and I bet you'll notice that more bugs are into you than you ever realized yeah you can do it Steve just love yourself Love yourself and the bugs will follow. If you build it, they will come. And in this case, it is your own self-confidence. And if you sweat, Mm. they'll come even more. Wow. Some of those bugs love that sweat. Yeah, they'll... They're definitely coming. (laughs) And finally, Darlene from El... Wait, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. We we gotta do the ding, ding, ding. Well, anyway, Darlene from El Paso says, I'm thinking of adopting some armadillo friends, and I would like to provide them with a fun-themed enclosure. What theme would you pick if these were your armadillos? Uh, 175% like Wild West acrobatic show in, you know, some parking lot in Tucson. Like a Buffalo Bill. Like 100%. Yeah, like Buffalo Bill, like Wild West themed, like 
small scale amusement park with like, you know, a train ride and a stunt show and like toffee and a restaurant with like some sort of buffet, like a buffet restaurant. Yeah. I feel like you're describing like King's Island, but for armadillos. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like country Western, like there'd be a sheriff armadillo. (laughs) See, that's so great. I love how you just immediately thought so big. Like, because your idea could have my idea within it. So I was thinking it would be cute to have their little enclosure. It'd be like bumper cars. Oh, cute. (laughs) So I went real small. And I love that you went like so much more universal with it. Cute. Cute. (laughs) Well, yeah, I like the bumper cars as an attraction. I imagine like a 24-7, any creature living in a bumper car enclosure like you're just surrounded by so much just stray electricity that (laughs) I I don't know that it's good for the nervous system right right but I would love it if I think that there should there should be like you know definitely bumper car attraction for sure definitely oh well armadillo world armadillo world you know southwest country southwestern armadillo world ding 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 (laughs) I want to go there oh (laughs) The little armadillo sheriff. So <laughs> little armadillos on log flumes. Oh, man. Oh, that. I love a log flume. Me too. They had a log flume. Didn't they take the log flume out at Cedar Point and they replaced it with one of those roller coasters that gives you headaches because it just zaps <laughs> you? I don't know. I don't think I've actually, I've never been to Cedar Point. Oh, well, well, I I could say the same things about King's Island. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to Son of Beast? (laughs) They took that right down. That thing was intense. I I rode it at least twice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, what a bunch of assholes. They're like, well, it's a wooden roller coaster, but in the middle of it, there's a loop and it becomes a a steel roller coaster. It's just like, you guys are assholes. It was nuts. They're actually like crazier than the loop. There was this like big spiral so you were kind of sitting like parallel like you were like as you're going through around in this like big long spiral you're going fucking fast and like your body is sitting in the car the car is like parallel to the ground and it's so intense I'm not gonna do that I mean I would ride it again I definitely would ride it again but (laughs) sure but this isn't a roller coaster podcast it sure isn't Keep the questions coming, animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. You know, we love to hear from you. And you'll hear from us whenever we feel like it. <laughs> Suckers. Just kidding. Love you. We'll be back soon. Bye. No, no, no. Okay, bye. <laughs> Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Day.